Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by Delta Dental of New Jersey. Everyone deserves a healthy smile. NJM Insurance Group, serving New Jersey's drivers, homeowners, and business owners for more than 100 years. The Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey. Investors Bank. RWJ Barnabas Health. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. New Jersey Sharing Network. The Northward Center. And by the Russell Berry Foundation. Making a difference. Promotional support provided by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association. And by AM970 The Answer. This is Think Tank on News 12 Plus. I'm Steve Adubat. I'll stop talking so fast. That's Nicole Swinerton, co-anchor and executive producer. Um, listen, on this particular Think Tank, we kick off with the chairman of the board, the chairman of the board of uh, commissioners, if you will, at the Port, of, Port Authority of New York, New Jersey, Kevin O'Toole. He's a former state senator, served a lot of years in the state legislature. He's an attorney as well. One of the things I really like about Senator O'Toole is um, he writes a very interesting, provocative column every Tuesday on... NJ Globe, NJ is Globe. it right? Yep. Jersey Globe, right? And he, he wrote about finding the middle ground. I know everyone, not everyone, a lot of people in politics, you're either here or you're here, you're left, you're right, you're socialist, progressive, or the, the, the right-wing Republican, Trump. How about the middle getting stuff done? That's what Kevin O'Toole talks about. It's really good stuff. But we also have an interesting segment on oral health with we have Dr. Nicole McGrath-Barnes from the Kinder Smile Foundation, and she talks all about the uh, importance of oral health, especially uh, for underserved communities and, and making that health care accessible to all kids. And by the way, real quick, uh, I want to thank the folks at Delta Dental who were big in support of that initiative. They're underwriting this program along with NJM Insurance uh, Group, also Healthcare Foundation, New Jersey Investors, et cetera. And uh, real quick, before we uh, go to this, the last interview is on workplace diversity inclusion with Jens Odenart from ADP, right? Yeah, Jens is great. He talks all about uh, what does diversity and inclusion mean, especially in 2020? How are companies doing that and uh, ramping up their diversity and inclusion efforts in a year where a lot of us are working from home and we're not even with our coworkers? So it's an interesting time to be talking about that, but more important than ever. So uh, this is Think Tank. We have Senator O'Toole. We have uh, Dr. Nicole McGrath-Barnes and Jens Odenart, an interesting, provocative, diverse program. Nicole, Steve, Think Tank, check it out. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. This is a compelling conversation we're about to have with our good friend Kevin O'Toole, Chairman, Board of Commissioners, Port Authority of New York, New Jersey, former state senator for just a few years in New Jersey. And also uh, your law firm, Kevin, is? O'Toole Srivo. Yeah, so let's get this out of the way. This is part of our Democracy at a Crossroads series. Um, Senator O'Toole writes this column every Tuesday, right? Is that true? Correct. Every Tuesday in New Jersey Globe, our media partner, check it out. But the column you wrote got my attention. Is it called the Overton window? The Overton window. What the heck does the Overton window have to do with 
democracy at a crossroads. I have no idea. So I'm having dinner with my son a couple of weeks ago, and he says, Dad, he goes, politics, Overton window. I said, what? So he explains it to me, my son, the scientist, and he said, look, here's the deal. So I looked it up. I started talking to a couple of folks who, who know about this Overton window uh, developed by James Overton. And it basically talks about there's a level of acceptability that the public will take and accept within a range. The high highs, the low lows, really wide left and wide right, they kind of ultimately will lead to either a politician's rejection if they embrace it, or the public's rejection either of the party or the individual. And basically, you know, I was watching a Matthew McConaughey while play uh, people, the actor. He was on a uh, last week, he was talking about just politics in general, that he's daring people to go and go to the center. He goes, I'm daring people to go to the center. He's tired of the, the wide right and left. Like if he, he says in 2016, the Democrats, the lefts, refused to accept the, the, the idea that the Republican candidate won. This year, he says the Republicans are failing to accept that you know Biden had won. He goes, that's got to stop. The hypocrisy on both sides has got to stop. And he, in his own way, not that he's a scientist, says, I'm daring everyone to go to the middle. Really a cool concept. And that's the Overton concept theory? The Overton concept is basically the public is only going to tolerate so much. It's within this window of acceptability, reasonableness, accountability, responsibility, within this so-called pain. If you go too far right or too far left or too far high or low, it becomes too extreme, too little extreme, and the public ultimately will reject it, which will lead to the rejection of a, of a particular candidate or party. So let me disclose this. Kevin and I had a conversation. I often call him mostly for advice, but this was an offline conversation. I was telling him about this Democracy Works series, and I wanted you to tell folks what you told me um, about when you were in the legislature for more than a couple of years, right? How many years? 22. Okay, I was there for two. And I leave it alone. Leave it alone, Kevin, okay? 83 so, to 85. Thank you. So you ready? Yes. Kevin O'Toole had this reputation where he worked with Democrats. He got things done across the aisle, no matter who the governor was, who the legislators were. In Congress, that's like, what? We're not doing that. How does that advantage us politically? Am I overstating it? And what does that have to do with democracy at a crossroads? Kevin. So listen, in 06, Governor Corzine, Democrat, gov the uh, government shuts down. The Republicans were like, you know, clapping and, and rejoicing. And I sat as one of the Assembly Budget Committee members and said, we have to get this together. I joined with four Democrats at the Budget Committee, put together votes to really push through an emergency budget, essentially, and broke the logjam. And people, the Republicans said, why are you doing that? I go, because it makes sense. You got to do that. And it's at that time, it dawned on me that it is it plays to the right politics in the political world to have the Republicans and Democrats fighting each other. But from a public policy standpoint, we've got to dare each other, go to the middle, and just work together. Republicans are not going to be in power in, in New Jersey in the foreseeable future. I don't see it, certainly in the legislative branch. You've got to work together with the Democrats, and the Democrats should be willing to work with the Republicans. But there's too much of a... They, they postulate and posture way too much, Steve. It's against your politics. The extremes in both parties, left and right, are really the undoing of both What do they parts. win? Senator, Kevin, let me ask you this. What do they win? What is Mitch, Mitch McConnell, I don't know where he's going to be. Listen, as we do this program, the, uh, the Georgia elections for Senate haven't taken place. We don't know what the balance of power is going to be in the Senate. We don't know if we're going to have, we don't know if we're going to have split government or not. We just know that Joe Biden is going to be the president of this Democratic House. Long-winded question. What about if McConnell says no? 
You guys didn't give us what we wanted. We're not going to give. What do they win? What Listen, do the Democrats for, for, win? Hey, for Mitch McConnell's politics, he won because they were they were projecting that he was going to lose every seat. North Carolina was going to lose his own seat. He was going to lose all of these tight races. He didn't. He's now at the very least going to be 50 50. He's probably going to win at least one of those two, if not two of those two in Georgia. So He's what's his incentive to compromise so, like Kevin O'Toole? For his politics, it makes sense. And I'll tell you, when you look at this long term, having a split government may be the best for, for everybody for the foreseeable future. Because? Because I think what happens if, if the Democrats take all three or if the Republicans take all three, means the House and the Senate and the presidency, it's going to allow the dictates of the extreme of the parties, I think, to have a controlling hand there somehow. So having a split party, having a split uh, of, of leadership, I don't think is the worst thing to happen for this time in 2021. Is the Republican Party, and I'm going to be sensitive to this because you are the chair of the Port Authority and you deal with a lot of complex issues. You have to deal with both sides of the aisle and, and transportation between New York and New Jersey dependent upon Kevin and his colleagues at the Port Authority. But let me ask you this. Moving forward, to what degree do you think people make decisions in Washington about New York, New Jersey, transportation, tunnel, the gateway, whatever, based on, hey, they didn't vote for me. The Democrats didn't vote for me in those two states. That's a blue state. That's a purple state. That's a red state. I often feel like we're just not the United States of America. I know I'm being overly simplistic and naive. Go ahead. I mean, so look, so when you look at like uh, her, um, Superstorm Sandy, some of the yeah, people yeah. in the delegation in the southern states, Texas in particular, they weren't really fond about giving New York and New Jersey some of that money. And it came back to haunt them. And they had their storms to deal with, whether Maria or others. They hey, they needed a hand out as well. We're all in this thing together. And I'll tell you, in terms of the legislative people that I deal with in New York and New Jersey, Republican, Democrat, by and large Democrat, they are 100% invested to make sure we're working together to get the transportation needs, whether it's Gateway or whether it's, you know, we're in a $3 billion hole, the Port Authority with the COVID uh, dilemma that we're having right now. They're totally invested. I'm hoping at the end of the day that they're going to be able to work with the incoming president to make sure that this region gets what they need. I asked this of everyone who's appeared, got a minute left, Senator, um, who's appeared on Democracy to Crossroads, Crossroads. Where is the silver lining, the reason to be positive about our representative democracy? Kevin. I think we have lessons that we learned. Like there was 23 swing districts in the country that people, they were, they all happened to be Republican, even though the top of the ticket went Democrat. I think it's interesting that I think middle America wants to have a centrist government, Republican, Democrat, working together to make sure there is a common goal, a common policy that's going to be worked on. I think that's the message that was sent to us. While we didn't, the Republicans didn't lose in the House, they picked up, they may be within five seats, which was nobody predicted that in the House. And they're probably going to have at least 50, if not 51, 52 in the Senate while having a Democrat president. They want to have accountability. And the only way you can do that in this day, in this time, is to have a split representation. Check out Kevin O'Toole. It's called the O'Toole Chronicles. Um, every Tuesday in New Jersey Globe, our, uh, one of our media partners, I want to thank you, uh, Kevin O'Toole, chairman of the Port Authority. O'Toole Scrivo is his law firm. They happen to be supportive of what we're doing um, in terms of our public policy programming. Also, um, former state senator. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. We'll continue this series, Democracy Thanks, at a Crossroads. You'll thank continue you. to talk to us. Thank you, my friend. Good seeing you. I'm Steve Adubato. We'll be right back. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. Right now, 
Six feet can feel like a long ways away. But from six feet, we can still smile at each other. From our doorways and our stairways, from opposite sides of the street and opposite sides of the country. Through fear and frustrations, we can remind each other that we are still here for each other. Because we can still smile at each other. And we're not going anywhere. We're now honored to be joined by Dr. Nicole McGrath-Barnes, founder and CEO of the Kinder Smile Foundation. Good to have you with us, doctor. Oh, good to be here. Once again, I think this is uh, my third time on the Steve Adubato Show, so I'm honored. Thank you. That's what happens when you're popular. Not me, you. <laughs> hey, tell everyone what the foundation is. Sure. Kinder Smile Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit dental organization whose mission is to increase oral care access and oral care education for uninsured and underserved children ages zero to 18. And we uh, extend that to age 21 for our special needs population and also perinatal mothers up to three years postpartum. Uh, but most recently, we've just expanded to uh, Trenton. We have a dental home in Trenton. Yeah. We've seen adults. So, Yeah, talk about that Trenton expansion. Uh, I know the folks down in Jersey Manufacturers care deeply about that. Uh, one of the organizations, Found Corporation, is big, uh, big in supporting the... Uh, that's our state capital. Let's not forget that, Trenton. Absolutely. What is going on in Trenton, and why is the expansion of your organization there so critical? Okay. So, as we all know, the state capital, and there's such a dire need here in the city of Trenton for access to oral care. Uh, we have 95% of the uh, population, Black and Latino, Black and Brown community, and they have been plagued over the decades with a lack of access to quality, uh, affordable, affordable uh, oral care services. So we have been blessed uh, by the supporter from the, the Estelle, uh, Debbie Sands uh, Gartenberg, her foundation, right. foundation to uh, expand and to increase access to care here for the indigent population. Doctor, you know, the, I'm not sure people understand the connection. You and I have had many conversations about this and I want you to expand on it, the connection between oral health and our overall health. And I'll complicate that in a moment with the COVID discussion, so go ahead. So oral health is truly the gateway to total health. If you think about it, everything starts with the oral cavity. And for many decades, even centuries, the oral cavity has been displaced. It seems like the population believes that it's another organ, <laughs> you know, separated from the body. But that's where everything starts. Uh, systemic diseases, uh, if your oral cavity is not um, uh, in good shape, let's say, or if oral cavity, the oral diseases are not under control, it affects your entire body. Uh, children getting teeth prematurely extracted due to baby bottle syndrome or lack of access to care, what does that affect? Their speech and tears that are extracted prematurely, we, they, they, they are labeled now speech impediment. And they, the black and brown community are plagued with all of these labels. But if you understand 
that there's that direct correlation and connection, you can better take care of yeah. mouth and visit the dentist regularly. You know, and by the way, there are a whole range. Uh, check out our other interviews uh, with Dr. Nicole McGrath-Barnes. We've done several, as she said before. We've talked in greater detail about some of these things as well. But, you know, there's a graphic that's going to be up on the screen in just a moment. It's, it's simply called Confronting Racism. It's an ongoing series we've been committed to to try to confront racism in all its forms. Do you believe, Dr., that part of the reason for the black and brown community suffering the way it has and not getting access to oral care that is needed, that affects our overall care, is in some ways connected to racism. Absolutely. And unfortunately, Steve. Um, What's it based on? Like, what, like our kids, and I, I, when I say our kids, our, our children, we were blessed and fortunate to get them the oral care that they needed all the way through, all the checkpoints, all the... Whether they do what they're supposed to do or not right now with flossing it has nothing to do with other than laziness. That being said, that's not always the case for others in certain communities, disproportionately black and brown. In Trenton, 34 percent of the families of children living below the poverty level. Living that's, not a, that's not, oh, yeah, of course you're going to do that. That, in some ways, is the exception, not the norm, correct? 100 percent. 100. Why should we all care about that? Because I know we should. Because the, the, they're human beings. They need to be edified and dignified and poured into, just like you, those who are fortunate. And unfortunately, we don't have the funding that's poured into a lot of the community organizations to uplift and to educate the population. It really starts with the education and the compassion to care. We need more funding in our inner city. We need more funding just for programs, continuous funding. We need partners. We need large partners to come in and realize that this is systemic racism and it's unfair. Let me try this. COVID has complicated things. We're taping this um, at the end of 2020. It will be seen in 2021. To what degree has COVID-19 adversely impacted oral health care, particularly in urban communities that you're serving? Oh, gravely and drastically. Um, when you talk about the indigent communities, lack of access to care, uh, many of them visit the hospitals because we, they don't have the facilities or the access to care to go to that's affordable. They visit the hospitals and they believe that the hospitals are, that's their dental home. Uh, they go for palliative treatment and a swelling and an infection. The swelling, the infection goes down. They think they're good. They go back. COVID has completely revealed to everyone nationwide that there's huge, uh, huge problems in our indigent population. And uh, I know with uh, Kinder Smile Foundation, our three dental homes, we were closed for three months, but we had over 36 emergency teledentistry uh, uh, cases that we had to address. I was on pins and needles because not too many people realize that this oral disease, this infection can spread to the brain and people can die just like Diamante Driver in 2007, 
Remind people real quick, doctor. I, I don't want people to forget. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. This is the reality of what's happening in our community. What happened to Diamante? Please remind folks. Diamante Driver, a 12-year-old black boy who resides in resided in Prince George's County, Maryland, a predominantly county in Maryland, he had Medicaid and he was unable to see someone to prescribe medication for him for tooth infection. Medicaid lapsed, mother didn't have the funds to pay for a prescription. A simple prescription, Steve, antibiotics. Would have, he would have been alive today, but to no avail. And the mom ended up burying her 12-year-old boy due to a brain infection, a brain infection caused by a dental abscess. What I see every single day in this indigent community. November 9th, we had our grand opening. Two seconds, go ahead. November 9th, we had our grand opening. We get a call from Capital Health Regional Medical Center. An emergency room physician called and said, doctor, we have an 11 year old boy here with an abscess, swelling the size of an orange. I said, bring him in. Right after the grand opening, he was the first patient we saw, literally, Steve, the size of an orange. Nowhere to go, never been to the dentist here in Trenton, 11 years old. He could have been a DeMonte driver. This is what the black and brown community is experiencing on a daily basis. It's a this is what they're living with. And it's unfair and it's unfortunate. And that's why we are here in Trenton and other indigent areas to increase access to care for all. If that doesn't move you, nothing will, folks. Uh, we're honored to be joined once again by Dr. Nicole McGrath Barnes, founder and CEO of Kinder Smile Foundation. <clears throat> Dr. I want to thank you so much. Keep doing thank what you, you. do. Thank all you so much, Steve. Thank you so much. Really appreciate this opportunity. You got it. We'll be right back. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. We're now joined by our good friend Jens Odenart, who is a vi uh, division vice president, general manager, work market at ADP. Good to see you, Jens. Great to see you, Steve. Thanks for having me back on the show. You got it. By the way, check out steveautobato.org to check out the last interview Jens did with us. Um, last time we talked, we talked diversity, inclusion. Forget about 2020. We're doing this in the end of 2020. In 2021, in the workplace, what does diversity and inclusion really mean? Not with the rhetoric, but the reality of it. Yeah, I think it's going to be more important than ever for organizations to really embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion in 2021. And um, ADP obviously does a lot of research with our client base and with the employees of our client base. And it was one of the top five trends that we identified for 2021, really for companies to look at diversity and inclusion and equity. And so we talked about this last time, but diversity is really the representation of underrepresented minorities. And obviously after 2020, there's a lot of focus on black communities and communities of color, um, but also that inclusion, really having this culture and this value set that embraces differences. And a lot of people now are also talking about equity and that's really making sure that you not only have the representation, but that they have equal access to opportunities. 
they get promoted in the same way, that they get paid equally to their counterparts. And so I think that's going to be a big focus that we're going to see this year, but definitely also going forward. Yes, how has COVID-19 impacted this initiative, this effort, this commitment to a culture of diversity and inclusion? I actually think at the onset of COVID, uh, a lot of organizations, ADP included, um, had all of their employees, for us that's 58,000 employees globally, almost overnight work from home. And I think that some of the diversity and inclusion initiatives and specifically business resource groups, which are really these, these initiatives that are voluntary and employee-led, were really an asset in this time where employees were working from home in less than ideal circumstances. Um, they might have personal anxiety. And so it was a great avenue for them to connect with these other employees in these business resource groups to find support to remain engaged while all of this was going on. And so I think that our 10 business resource groups at ADP were really an asset uh, as we were trying to to kind of um, move from being in the office to completely running this organization from home. You know, we've had many conversations with, with the folks at ADP. They support what we do, our commitment to diversity and inclusion. But the term intersectionality, it feels and sounds jargony to me, but I'd like you to make it real, Yen, so that people go, oh, that's what Jens is talking about. That's what Steve's talking about. Because I, I hear it a lot, but I want to make sure people understand it. Intersectionality. Yeah, definitely uh, an interesting concept, and it's a big word. It's really thinking about all of the different aspects of someone's social identity, if you will. So we often think about things like gender and gender identity, race, sexual orientation. It's a lot of other things, too. It can be religion, age, ability, immigration status. All of those different things really create someone's identity, and that's really what's going to determine um, if, if you're sometimes advantaged or disadvantaged. And so I think it's very important for HR leaders, for DNI professionals, to really start looking at that intersectionality. So to make it very concrete, you can look at the pay gap between, let's say, men and women, and find in a certain organization that women are underpaid. But if your women are disproportionately of color, unless you actually look at all the different aspects, you don't know whether you have a pay gap based on gender or on race. And so or that's age really as well. Or I'm sorry, age, yeah, or age as well. You that's may right. not realize this, Jens, but I'm older than you. <laughs> you don't laugh so hard, okay? But age is part of it, is it not? Age is part of it, absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, real quick on this, I know we talked a little bit about this last time, but it's important. 30 seconds on ADP Pride. So ADP Pride is our business resource group, as I, as I alluded to earlier. Those are really employee-led voluntary groups, and they always uh, focus on a certain area. So for ADP Pride, that's really fostering diversity and inclusion for LGBTQ plus uh, employees at ADP. And so we obviously also involve our trade allies in that effort. How much progress are we making as it relates to the LGBTQ community and the things that need to be done, the policy changes, the culture changes, the societal changes, loaded, I know. How much progress in your view have we really made in the last couple of years? It, it's obviously very uneven across the globe. And if you look at the US, it's uneven across organizations. I think corporations are doing a great job. As we discussed last time, uh, the 1964 Civil Rights Act doesn't really include workplace protection for LGBTQ plus uh, no, employees. And so, 
I think companies need to continue, and many already do, uh, but they're still mid-sized and small companies that need to continue to really have the right workplace protections in place and look at the right HR policies and benefits. For large organizations like ADP, we have a perfect score on the human rights campaign for 11 years in a row now, so we have all of that in place. But as we talked about before, I think everyone can always continue to up their game on really having that inclusive culture that equity across all the different employees. And again, that focus on intersectionality. So we did a lot um, after the tragic killings of George Floyd, Fiona Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, really looking at what, what is it like for our black LGBTQ plus associates and those of color, and really focusing there as well. Yeah. Um, the commitment to diversity and inclusion does not take a vacation because of COVID. I just want to be clear, that's not an editorial statement, it's just a fact. So Jens Odenard, who is in fact Division Vice President, General Manager, World Market at, uh, work, excuse me, Work Market at ADP. Jens, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Keep educating us in this area and we all have a lot of work to do. Thank you, Jens. Thanks so much, Steve. Stay safe. Same to you. I'm Steve Adubato. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by Delta Dental of New Jersey, NJM Insurance Group, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, Investors Bank, RWJ Barnabas Health, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, New Jersey Sharing Network, the Northward Center, and by the Russell Berry Foundation. Promotional support provided by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association and by AM970, The Answer. Right now, six feet can feel like a long ways away. But from six feet, we can still smile at each other. From our doorways and our stairways, from opposite sides of the street and opposite sides of the country, through fear and frustrations, we can remind each other that we are still here for each other because we can still smile at each other and we're not going anywhere.